The greatest gift that we can give to our communities is the gift of our unique and authentic perspective. And that's shaped by all of the moments in our life, the highs, the lows, the ups, the downs, the successes and the failures. The collection of these moments make up our unique individual stories. Hi, my name is Tristan Barracks, and I'm the Digital Storyteller. And this is the Story Over Everything podcast, where we have the opportunity to speak to the 17-year-old version of ourselves. Welcome to Season 2, The Women I Admire. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your boy, Tristan Barracks here, the Digital Storyteller. And I am super excited to be with you once again for another episode of Story Over Everything. It is the podcast that allows you to talk to the 17-year-old version of yourself. And I am so excited to be with my guest, my homie, um, my friend, the person I I admire from uh, from afar, uh, a, a, a genius creative, Itina. Um, Itina is uh, known as... Uh, uh, AI, <laughs> uh, amazing rapper, artist, uh, spoken word artist, but she's not only that, she's a mother, she is a, a wife, she is a child of God, she loves God, and she uses her gifts to really honor uh, God in every every facet of her life, and she's a dope business, art, a business artist. I actually said that on purpose, that actually makes sense, because you are a business artist um so jump on in itina and, and tell us a little bit more about yourself say hi to the people man what's going on it's ai or it's itina um i like that business artist i think i'm gonna start using it <laughs> but yeah um yeah i come i'm from buffalo new york born and raised in buffalo new york and here in buffalo just like you said just trying to utilize all the skills the the passions that i have to really showcase the the story and just just live live as an example that's really what i'm trying to do uh you utilizing all the types of things that i love to do whether it be music photography film working with youth just being creative and um telling stories through lenses yeah and that's what i've always loved about you is that you've you've had of uncanny ability to always tell a story and obviously because we are both storytellers it's like like we connected on that level and um i remember when i first heard you um perform or saw you perform um this probably like seven or eight years ago oh, i know it's been a while it's been a while i know at the open mic and i just said man i don't I, I mean the rest of these people are great but like this there's something about this young lady she's she has not just a way with words but she is creating pictures in my head and and very few people do that so i was like okay i i mean i think i need to connect with her and yeah ever since we've just yeah yeah Yeah, which has been great yeah so i mean listen i am really excited about you being a part of season two of of story over everything um because this season is all about uh women um and and females i admire and 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 uh, individuals that are doing um something amazing um and and we've already uh gone through a few people um you know whether it's people that have auditioned you know out of nowhere for lion king and then all of a sudden now they're on broadway or you know individuals that started out in toronto and now they're like traveling the world doing vlogging and hair and all this other stuff and um you know, there's all these amazing stories. And I, I really, when I thought about people I admired and, and women specifically that I admired, I thought of you because, you know, I just, there's so many layers to your story. And I think that like, like a fine wine, it's almost like, you know, the older you get, the more 
sweeter and tastier your story is becoming and i i see you from far because we don't get to see each other all the time but when i do see you and i see what's happening i'm just like wow it's crazy i remember when we just met we were just talking (laughs) so so tell the people tell the people a little bit about like growing up in buffalo and like what that was like and and just a little bit about your childhood yeah yeah so when it starts off pretty you know i was born into a very sad situation and um, my my biological mother, she well, had an issue with drugs. She had a void in her life. A beautiful woman, uh, very intelligent, a very strong, um, witty. You know, uh, as I've heard about her, um, very strong woman, wise woman, intelligent. But she had a void in her life that she filled with substance abuse and. Due to that, uh, me, my sister, my brother were taken away from her when I was 14 months old due to neglect. And I I actually read some papers. I actually got some papers. My um, adoptive mother gave me some papers and I read through them. It was really sad. Mm -hmm. When I read, we were diagnosed emotionally handicapped. When we were found, we were dirty and... um, hungry and um wow. when they they went to search for my mother she was actually in a holding center um and she stated that she was trying to get her next fix and so um it's very it's very sad but it's bittersweet because it's like wow that's the beginning of this little girl's life she had no idea what she would become but just to just to give a little bit more information um we were placed in a foster care i was 14 months old my sister and brother about you know four and six and um when i turned three is when i lost my mother because she died from an overdose and so we stayed in the foster care system and when i was seven we were adopted by our foster mother thank god she took all three of us in um still dealing with like trauma and trying to make sense of (laughs) what we were gonna do like you know and um you know, just it was difficult looking in the mirror at a young as a young person mm-hmm. just because I look just like my mother, you know, so it was very difficult. And so you like I'm looking and seeing this person that I felt like, oh, you didn't love me. So I, I don't understand how to love myself, didn't know how to express myself and um, just going through the motions, you know, low self-esteem that comes with all of it. You know, not knowing my way, you know, going to school and seeing other people's parents look a little younger. And my my adoptive mother was in her 50s when she adopted us. So she's coming in and like, oh, it's your grandmother. And then kids finding out that you're a foster kid. And then they, you know, kids are a little tough. So they're like, oh, like, where's your real mom at? Uh, your real mom must not have loved you and you you're going through all these things you know going through all these things was real short (laughs) and um I felt like I had to be tough because I was so short I was picked on a lot and um I really didn't feel like anyone was there to protect me Mm. and so I got in a lot of trouble (laughs) I was class clown trying to figure out a way to get people to laugh so that I could laugh and mask whatever it was that was going on inside So just these different ways to try to communicate my pain, um, I was choosing the wrong ways to do so. And it led me to some terrible consequences, getting kicked out of a school, principal's office. Um, My adoptive mom had to go several times to City Hall to get me back into school. Like I was, I was rough. I was a rough little girl. (laughs) I was tiny but tough. You were hood. Yeah, I was real hood. (laughs) Born on the east side of Buffalo where they talk. (laughs) Yeah, right? (laughs) Who that little lady from the east side? Yeah, I was rough. Um, but I was surrounded by that toughness. You know, I was, I was surrounded by, um, drug dealers. It was a drug house that was right across the street. 
and a, um, a drug house right next door to me. As a matter of fact, in my room, if I looked out the window into that um, alleyway, I'd see um, individuals buying drugs, tr- drug transactions, people taking drugs. Mm-hmm. And so that was my normal. I would see that and that was just normal to me. So what what, what made you not... Um inquire more about that lifestyle or even inquire about drugs on that level or or was that something that you did kind of dabble in or, or think about or look I at? I mean, I was surrounded by it. Um, my cousins were, you know, selling weed, mm-hmm. uh, smoking weed. So yeah, I did indulge in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there is where, where it began to be like this, um, this masking. Mm-hmm. So uh, marijuana became this like masking thing that took me away from reality. Mm-hmm. And um, it was easy to get my hands on to as well. There was a, a drug dealer that lived across the street from me who um, was a grown man. And I was about 16 years old mm-hmm. and he took a liking to me. You have to realize in my 16 year old mind, I have low, I have low self-esteem. I'm pretty tough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm witty. I'm street smart. Mm-hmm. But when it came to, um, affirmation and, right yeah, I, yeah. no one was telling me you're beautiful mm-hmm. I heard the opposite you ugly you know mm-hmm. I heard those things and, and that's what I believed when I looked in the mirror so when wow. this grown man was telling me like oh man you're pretty you're cute I felt something like oh man maybe I am like mm-hmm. this grown man saying this he's interested you know and being naive I fell into that and he actually uh, played this position in which he uh like would give me money he would give me you know drug you know um weed let's just call it what it is <laughs> he'd give me weed and and over some time i began to trust this this guy mm-hmm. and he really like in the moment i didn't know he really manipulated the situation where i began to be trusting of him to get in his car mm-hmm. he took me to school uh he picked me up sometimes and then one day he takes me on this ride and i'm away from everything and he you know leads me into a situation where he takes advantage of me mm-hmm. and so now you have this kid who i don't um i'm trying to figure out who i am mm-hmm. I don't have my biological mother. My adoptive mother is a lot older than me, yeah. so the connection is a little difficult. She did a, I think she did a great job with us. I think the issue was internally and her maybe not knowing how to like pull like some things out of me, but she kept us involved in stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but so not really feeling connected to anything and um, just going through all of this stuff. So it's really like a lot. A lot, a lot of stuff happening. I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling shamed. I'm feeling all types, all types of things. And then there was this program, this program for youth in the community. Tell and me a little bit about that. Yeah. So this program it was called Yo Buffalo, and it was for teens. <laughs> yo, 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 bu- <laughs> yo Buffalo, yo, and yo stood for youth opportunity. Okay. And okay. so. Then that's exactly what they did. They gave youth opportunities. Mm-hmm. So um, I got involved with this program that taught um, that had additional activities and programs like Buffalo Weed and Seed, which was a crime prevention program. And it gave you opportunities to go into the community and do community work. And um, I I got involved in these other programs that taught you job readiness training skills that taught you how to be an employee Mm -hmm. how how to talk 
during interviews, how to be interviewed, how to interview, opportunities for us to go to Washington to youth conferences. So I'm getting out of the city. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm getting around other young people who are like motivated and they're like doing amazing things so it just opened up my perspective to the point where the drug house across the street i began to question that like why is there a drug house across the street it became not normal this is something that's not normal actually because we're talking about these things in these different avenues and different Mm -hmm. spaces and so the more opportunities that i began to have the more that i wanted to exist because there was a time where i didn't want to there's a time where i actually try to end it all and these programs help me like like you know what maybe maybe i should stick around because and 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 was that was that before after this whole thing happened with 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 the sort of like the individual that was kind of like that that took advantage of you or was that kind of like in the midst of okay in the midst of and you're having all these sort of thoughts i mean you know Mama didn't love us enough to to stay with us, you know. Getting raised by somebody I love, but that that I don't feel totally connected to, yeah. and then you know trying to figure out my voice in school, you know, all of these sort of things happening, and and you have those those thoughts, which is interesting to me because again, I I think that we try to um, not chastise people, but we try and kind of like, you know label people as well they're just this and that's why if you're if you're this way then you're going to have these emotions or these feelings yeah. or these thoughts when the reality is is really like suicidal thoughts or th- thoughts of of not being present anymore are things that happen to a lot of people for a lot of different reasons yeah. and understanding and, and trying to identify some of those those triggers or some of those feelings and those emotions are really important so I, i'm glad that you touched on that yeah yeah it was it was a lot going on it was a lot going on and I really felt like I couldn't discuss those things. It's interesting because I was part of these programs, but I I wouldn't discuss that. And I think that I wouldn't discuss the, I didn't tell anyone that I was taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. I felt that it was my fault. Um, for a long time, I never even discussed or brought it up until I was in my twenties. Um, so 16 to 20, it's a couple years. It was a a while to hold that in and to, did you still see that individual? Um, like, like during not necessarily. a small portion of time yeah. afterwards. Like, was he still around? He was still around. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. And so, then yeah. um, they they actually got raided, and then I never saw him again. Oh wow. Okay. So um so yeah I mean it's great I never saw him again but mm. still that that situation still stung me. Yeah. You know so yeah growing up it it was difficult but I had these things to kind of hold on to like this program yeah. and and then that program led to another program called SEPA Gallery that taught me about photography mm-hmm. and then there was another program called Squeaky Will that taught me about film. Wow. And so you're you're dealing with a kid who it feels displaced and like um, I remember uh, someone asking me what did I want to be when I grew up, and I said a comedian because I love Jim Carrey, and so Canadian, they were like, <laughs> good old Canadian. <laughs> and I'm, so they were like, "That's stupid. Really? You, you can't, you can't do nothing with being a comedian." And so when I heard that, I'm like, "Then what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? <laughs> this is wow. this. I'm I'm a cla- I'm yeah. a class clown. I make yeah. people laugh. Yeah. You know, I'm funny. That's what I want to do." Was this person an adult? Yes, an adult. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I, you know, both of us are parents, and it's like, you know, I tell people all the time, it's very difficult to be a parent. Period. But then it's even more difficult to be a parent. Um, 
in this sort of environment because there's so much distractions and then you as a parent have to parent dip, like you can't parent your daughter the same way you, you parent your son and and it's not just because of the gender differences but it's also because they're different individuals right. and they receive things differently so right. you can say something silly to one person and the other person will take yeah. it deathly seriously right. you know so just thinking about how that that was another moment it was like uh oh that's silly that's stupid yeah. like like but then now now you're not just saying uh, being a comedian is silly and stupid it's like now you're saying i'm silly and stupid in a way For because even thinking yeah, of that yeah but not like my thing is like when i'm dealing with youth i don't know what their mindset is yeah this person didn't understand that I really created this in my mind. Like, wow. oh, I'm going to be a comedian. I'm good at this. Yeah. And I would really sincerely watch like Jim Carrey mm -hmm. and like mimic some of the things that he does. And I thought he was funny. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, I could definitely do this and be in like movies. And, yeah. and it was it was serious to me. Yeah. That is what I wanted to do. And so when you when you open up that platform and ask me, what do I want to do? You're you're asking me to be vulnerable yeah. and sharing with you something that means a lot to me and then you tell me that that's stupid wow. like okay so all of the things that i've kind of conjured up in my mind mm -hmm. it has diminished now like yeah. now what do i think about so these programs were very very key to helping me feel attached to something mm -hmm. so now i have photography and it wasn't just like oh man i get to take pictures and push the button it was the dark room mm -hmm. it was the, the the magic of watching uh images appear on paper mm -hmm. through this chemical process it was just fascinating to me and then how you could like the program that we had through sepa was um it was picturing poetry mm -hmm. so it wasn't just Photography was writing too. Now, when I was younger, we had to go through counseling, and it was this counselor that gave me a pen and paper and said, "Write down how you feel," wow. because I couldn't say it. Yeah. And so I drew pictures, then I I wrote poems and stories, and so I had this love for writing. So then, all the way into my teens, then I get this other tool that meshes together with this writing piece. Wow. It was like, wow, my mind just opened up. I'm like, man, this is it. That makes so much sense, especially for those that are listening. Um, if you get a chance to see any of Itina's um, work, she does tons. Like, it seems like every other week she's doing a gallery showcase or something, <laughs> which is cool because I'm very envious. Like, I need to do that. But one thing that I love about your work is that, like, there's always a story behind it and it's always connected to that. You know, yeah. it ties in so well, like you have the beautiful imagery and then you'll have like something, some story or some sort of soliloquy or some sort of poem yeah. to go with it. And it's it makes so much sense now, but I never knew where it came from. Yeah. You know, what I mean, so Gallery, that's you, dope. We, we did this program and where we wrote based upon our photos and, and it just married the two passions that I had. Wow. And so in this program, SEPA Gallery, you know, they're teaching artists work where you're you're going and you're teaching young people about photography and stuff like that. Um, I got so involved with the program that the education director um, invited me to assist her. Oh, really? In the in programs that she did. So I'm like, really? Yeah, I want to come. And she said, you'll get paid too. What? So I'm a teen, like. <laughs> yeah traveling with her to different schools to yeah. assist her in this process and I'm getting paid. Yeah. So it, it gave me purpose and it, and it secured my, 
it secured my feelings of wanting to exist. Mm. Like it gave me yeah. something. And that's why, that's why I go so hard about the arts and about working with youth because you don't know what these kids are going through. Mm-hmm. And you, what you're offering might be that thing that makes that kid want to stick around. Yeah. I woke up excited as a teenager in some instances like, was I free from issues and worries? No, but that thing gave me that hope. Yeah, it's funny because I, I say it to people all the time. The arts saved my life. You know what I mean? I, and and I and I mean that. Like I I found I found a sense of purpose. I found a sense of passion. Um, I found something that I was good at. I was you know I'm I was like a middle child. I didn't know what I was good at. You know what I mean? I was a little chubby, a little you know not really the greatest speller. But I found the arts. I found the performing arts first, then visual arts, and it totally changed my life. So I totally get what you're saying. Perspective and everything like I get emotional just like it I've been on this emotional roller coaster lately um mm-hmm. for the past two to three years because the fruition of all of that is coming to life it's yeah. like I'm literally doing what was taught to me when I was in high school that's, that's what I'm doing yeah. I'm taking everything that I learned in those programs and I'm making something happen like I created my own thing yeah my business is what I created yeah I did like, yeah that's that's, that's dope that's that's, that's what's up I still remember it but I still remember when you came to me like you know like what Tristan I kind of see you doing your thing and, and like how do you how do you do and I was just encouraging you just yeah. just do it man you can do it I, like I saw it from far I was like you you if anybody I'm sure of you can do it I just said do your thing yeah I was like listen just put together a little plan you know what I mean use some of your connections and trust me just outwork like you were talking about outwork man just ugh, man it's just it's amazing just kind of you know because when you're in the position and you're doing it sometimes you don't see it see it and then i sit back and i look at the things that i've done Mm -hmm. i'm humbled and then it fuels me because then i'm i'm still i'm working in the schools i make sure that that's because that's my passion and that's one of the things things i try to tell people like whatever your passion is you gotta find a way to make that thing work for you because life is not life if you're not living out that passion i'm telling you it's not i live in such a such a freedom because i'm doing what i love to do well this is that's the thing i'm flying dude (laughs) for real well this is but everything's clear i i tell people all the time i'm like listen I'm not saying that there aren't tough days. I'm not saying that there aren't challenges, but there's something to be said when you're completely solely in the groove of your purpose yeah. and you know it. Yeah. You're like, damn, like this is it's this a, is what's it's up. It's a high that that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing else could nothing yeah. else could ever yeah. put you in. You yeah. know, it's just this freedom, this this flight that I'm in. I'm motivated by it. Mm. And yes, I, I face difficulties and stuff like that, but that stuff fuels me. I yeah. think about the scripture in which it talks about um, count it all joy. Mm-hmm. Like what? When when falling into diverse diverse temptations, like what are you talking about? Count it all joy, and then right after it says because that develops patience. You know, along the lines, I'm not saying it word for word, but it develops patience. Um, One grace uh, leads you to another. Faith leads to patience, and like I I embrace challenges because it's all it's going to do is make me better and stronger and make me a better business person make me a better mother make me a better wife Mm -hmm. like it just builds me up tough so let's let's talk a little bit about that because you you said you kind of transitioned 
um, after high school. So like you're doing this program, you're working there. Um, this is so exciting. Um, and then checks. <laughs> you get checks, right? <laughs> when did you when did you get into like um, music? You know, what I mean, um, obviously you you became a mother relatively young, not not that long. 21. Young. Yeah. Twenty one. That's not that young. But like. What what was tell us a little bit about those moments and like and how it transitioned you even into the place where you know you were more focused even more focused on like getting to where you are now. Music wise, yeah, music was there like it existed with me. I was always drawn to music, specifically as a young person, drawn to jazz, okay, and and gospel. We were uh, raised in a church. Mm-hmm. My uh, adoptive mother had us in church almost every day. My goodness. It's just like, <laughs> like, how much church? Like, how many times are we going to talk about the sea being split? Like, I know all the stories. But um, it, it was good. I'm, I'm thankful for that as, as a young person. But um, gospel and hymns. Um, but it's something about jazz that just did something to me or for me. And, um, you know, being that we were raised in a household that was really Christian, mm-hmm. there was no listening to no hip hop. But I would go to school and everybody was um, talking about the latest song yeah. and, um, you know, reciting the words from the latest mu- music video or talking about a music video. And it's like, man, let me let me try to find out what they're talking about because <laughs> yeah. you feel left out. Yeah. Like, man, I got to find out. And, um, I just had to educate myself in a, in a very sneaky way. And then I got put on to like, like Nas and Jay-Z and Biggie and mm-hmm. Eminem. And I just fell in love with this, this way, this form of writing on a beat. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, a canvas, you know, and then they're like the cadences, I just fell in love with it. It's like it was almost it's rhythmical, like your your words yeah. and your cadence becomes an instrument. And I just fell in love with it. And then the stories they were telling, like, you know, Jay-Z would tell stories. Nas would tell stories. Yeah. Um, they they drove you t- through this like imagery and these metaphors that you yeah. listen at first. And then you have to go back and break it down like, oh, that's what he was saying. But he, he was saying this, but he was also saying this. So understand, like at a young age, I fell in love writing mm-hmm. and and I, I became became the storyteller at a young age I was creating stories about me but you wouldn't know I was masking it mm-hmm. through my words then learning about metaphors and um, similes and 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 onomatopoeias and all of this to then hearing these individuals rap and have those same kind of things and thread it throughout their music I began writing their words down learning their words, wrapping them over the beat, like reciting it and, and uh, memorizing it. And then it turned into like, hmm, let me try to put my own words in these spaces. And then like it became a puzzle. And that's how my mind works. And so okay. I would create my own like little raps and stuff. So, you know, then I then I found out about Lauren Hill. And then I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> what is this world coming to? So I, I had this passion for music while walking with everything is kind of coming together, mm-hmm. you know, still storytelling through the pen yeah. and paper, you know. So um, that continued on. Believe it or not, I don't think I've ever told this anywhere, but I had like this manager. I was like 15, 16. <laughs> really? It was so stupid. Yo, I had this manager. Um, 
and it really wasn't like a contractual thing. He he knew he had connections with um, a producer in Buffalo, mm-hmm. and he had connections to a studio. And so he heard me rapping one day and was like, oh, "I want to help you," you know. And so my mom, I was surprised that my mom was cool with it, and she let me kind of connect with him and go to the studio and record music. And then I learned about like that process, mm-hmm. you know. So. It was cool. Like I, I created a couple songs and, you know, things happen and I kind of got disconnected from that. But I had the experiences of being in a studio yeah. and stuff like that. So that kind of went with me throughout this process of living. So, yeah. And then you got photography, you got film, you got music and just everything kind of collided together. Eh? Yeah. But still not knowing mm-hmm. what would become of it mm-hmm. i still didn't connect it all yet like like a solid like oh yeah i'm gonna be doing this this and that what what do you f- feel was the conduit um of that um yeah what was the conduit like what, what do you think connected all of those things together so i think if we were to fast forward um I've, I've always had this music. I've always, not always since birth or anything, but I had the music, I had the photography, I had the film. Every job that I had mm-hmm. dealt with youth. Uh, got you. Whenever any program that I've created within an organization, within a youth development program, I've always tried to incorporate those things. Okay. So I would build a hip hop program. Okay. We're going to dissect these lyrics, you know, um, we are going to take a look at this music video and see what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to set up a field trip for you guys to visit SEPA Gallery so you can experience the dark room. Yeah. I'm going to get SEPA Gallery to come in and do some photography with you guys. Just trying to implement this within the programs that I was part of mm-hmm. um, in teaching. We're fast forward and I'm, you know, in my 20s. You know, yeah. I didn't have my son and everything. And, you know, even before that, I was always working with youth mm-hmm. programs. And so I've always had that thing on the side and I'm always incorporating it in. And I was still working as a teaching artist for SEPA Gallery. Okay. So always doing this work. And then I went from one organization for, you know, typically two to three years. And then I transitioned to a different organization, still implementing these things. Um, I'd say about two to three years ago, me and my husband had to sit down and, you know, we, we have, I have my son and then I have my daughter and the teaching artist work because I also work with another organization called Young Audiences, mm-hmm. which I'm a teaching artist with too, and that work became greater and more intense than the work that I was doing within my regular nine to five. Yeah. But understand that that was just always like I just always want to do this because I love it. Yeah, it you were passionate about it. It, it really was. Yeah. I didn't even realize. Yeah. Like, oh, this is. This is like a business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like business stuff. Because through my business, I was just doing photography, like capturing photos and yeah. doing videos sometimes here and there. But this teaching artist work, this piece began began to be greater. And I said, yo, this is taking, like, kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. So we decided, like, go full time. Do photography, do film, and do the teaching. Yeah. And so th- about two, three years ago, that's when we made that decision and literally everything 
like doors swung open and just I felt a lot more free because I had the ability to develop programs that I'm teaching, um, develop things that I foresaw in my mind, Mm -hmm. but couldn't do because I was doing a nine to five. And I loved those nine to five jobs. Absolutely. And it's it's training ground, right? So it's not just, and this is what I try and tell people. It's like, I don't hate where I'm coming from. I actually acknowledge it. I appreciate it. And I understand that I had to go there yeah. before I could be here. Man. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It, it taught me administration. Yeah. It taught yeah. me, um, you know, organization. Yeah. <laughs> so you see these folders and yeah. stuff <laughs> labeled and, you know, things you have to take care of. Like, it taught me all of that. Yeah. So I, I'm grateful for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. But now that I'm in this space where, it, like, 100% of me, well, in, in the sense of, like, for business, because... Mm-hmm. You know, we got to break that hundred percent where I'm focused as being a, a wife, a yeah. mom, and things like that. But a great deal of my energy goes into the passions and yeah. being able to do the best job I can do as a business owner. And so it's just like freeing. So let's talk a little bit about you know parenthood, motherhood. Um, how has motherhood changed you? Mm. I actually changed my life when I found out that I was pregnant with my son. So, and there was a very dark space um, between me graduating high school to me going to college. Um, I was about 16 when I graduated or 17. I I think it was 17 or so. I graduated and I went straight to college. It was a bridge program Mm -hmm. at Buff State. And we were able to stay on campus and earn credits for our first semester in college. So I was on campus. I was doing a great job. And, um... Then we transitioned. I, I must have transitioned like close to a 4.0. Yeah. And then um, my first year of college was great. You know, I lived yeah. on campus and just trying to do everything right. I still had that sense of like, I got to get up and do what I need to do. Yeah. And then, you know, coming face to face with like certain people doing certain things seem like they're a little more free. I'm like, oh, I guess I don't have to go to class. Yeah. I'm not going to go to class today. <laughs> I'm going to go tomorrow. <laughs> And so just starting to feel like, eh, I don't feel like I need to do this, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I was going for journalism. I wanted to do digital media, you yeah. know, visuals and things like that. And then I started to feel like I didn't need an education in order to do that because I was already doing it. Yeah. And um, I think during that time you got Kanye West, college, you know. College drop college off. Drop yeah, off. yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> I had a good friend of mine who um, actually took her life. Uh, during that time frame that really pushed me to step away from college. And during those years of being away was the most darkest time in my life. And I became pregnant. And when I discovered that I was pregnant, that's when I had to make a decision. Like, yo, I need to be the best mom that I wanted to be the best mom that I could be. I, I, did, I did not want to, want to repeat things that my biological mother had done if I'm gonna bring a child into this world like they have to have the best Mm -hmm. you know and and I decided from there like I need to give my all to God I knew who God was didn't have a good relationship Mm -hmm. but I I knew that the only way for me to stay consistent in this role of being a mom was to have God as my source of everything. And so I went to church, went to Mount Calvary, Holy church. They 
embraced me so well. Like when I tell, man, big ups to them. I'm telling you, like, oh my God, they showed me so much love. I was so nervous. Mm -hmm. I went there and, um, I was pregnant and I, and you know, growing up, like you pregnant out of wedlock, like, yeah, you need to go in the back of the church and sit down. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sit down. (laughs) You know, that's the worst thing you could do. (laughs) So when I, um, walked up to the altar and I, I was on the altar. I'll never forget this one woman who's my children's godmother now. Oh, wow. Um, she saw me, she was like, what's the matter? And she kind of knew like what kind of lifestyle I, mm. I mean, I was in the streets when I was during that time. I was, uh, out of school, out of college. I was in the street doing foolishness. <laughs> so she knew and she was like, man, what's the matter? And because I look so distraught and so heavy, she was like, um, did you hurt somebody or like, what's the matter? What's going on? And I whispered to her, I said, I'm pregnant. And she gave me this look like, that's it. (laughs) I was looked at her like, what do you mean? Like, this is, this is awful. You see the tears in my eyes. Like what's going on? She said, that's it. Oh, please girl. You all right. I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, I guess I am all right. That's good. Um, so, you know, going through the process of understanding that I I, I did something that is mm-hmm. out of the will of God. Let's mm-hmm. be let's be correct here. It's out of the will of God, but yet I had a heart to reconcile yeah. and to to do the thing that I needed to do and reestablish a relationship with Christ and and um commit my all to him mm-hmm. and he's forgiving and just enough to be forgiving mm-hmm. and that that doesn't like just because I'm pregnant, that, that doesn't, doesn't negate the rest exactly, of your life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah. my son was yeah. not a mistake. Yeah. It, I made a decision, and the result of that decision was my son. Mm-hmm. And he's beautiful. Yeah. And he has purpose. Yeah. You know, and, and I can be the best mom that I can be. So I took my relationship with God serious yeah. from that point on. And and ever since then, my son is twelve. Ever since then, I've been off of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, so so a good Right before, you know, before he was born, but, you know, during that time, I say 12, 13 years, like been all for for Christ. And my mm-hmm. life has been the best man. That's mm-hmm. the best decision I've ever made. Wow. Best decision I've ever made. And there's so much involved in that. You know, yeah. it's the process of reading your word, applying the word, mm-hmm. being serious about it, looking at yourself, praying, asking God to show you you mm-hmm. in areas in which that you need to build up mm-hmm. and have that spiritual muscle, mm-hmm. you know, and and gain patience and the process of what have you. But looking at my son, man, man, I just remember like such, he's such a precious think like this is such a precious thing i need to do the best that i can for him Mm -hmm. and he needs to see an example so i need to be spiritually fit i need to be uh, mentally fit emotionally fit i need to be educated so i went back Mm -hmm. to school and you know just got myself together and and just did whatever i felt like it was necessary to be the best mom that i could be for Mm -hmm. my son that's that's amazing no that's 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 good no no that's good i think i think that the idea that you know, in a way, especially within the church, there's this sort of feeling where it's like your life's over when you get pregnant, especially if it's right. out, it's outside so of silly. marriage. It's like, yeah, it really is crazy. It's crazy, but it's such a a thing that was, especially back in the day when we were growing up in church, such a culturally normal thing to see and to hear. Right. So it's just amazing and refreshing to hear like 
Is what, girl, that's it. That's it, girl. You yeah. Good. <laughs> oh man, it was the, that's, that's the most beautiful moment. Um, looking back on it, because you you'd have to literally see see it. Yeah, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, if I could yeah, make yeah. it a scene of a movie, it was great. Like yeah, yeah. you hear the music, it's real somber, and <laughs> see the tears coming out my eyes, and I'm just I'm hardly keeping it together. I feel terrible, and she's like standing there like distraught, like oh yeah. my god, what did you do? You must have done something, something. really <laughs> terrible because you're like distraught. Yeah. And then I whisper, I'm pregnant. <laughs> Oh, girl, that's it. And then it's like the music is uplifting, everything is straight. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but I do want to say this, though. In my opinion or in my perspective, I'm not, um, I don't feel bad about the idea of, um, how do I say, like, Having that burden of feeling like, oh, man, I did something really bad. Mm-hmm. I'm pregnant out of wedlock. Yeah. And and the feeling of guilt and shame in that, mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem with people holding that to a certain esteem. Like, growing up, like, yo, if you get pregnant out of wedlock, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah. No, I, I get what you're saying because I, I feel like there's almost like this other side. The, the pendulum has swung so far to the other side yeah. where it's like we're just celebrating without actually right. deconstructing. Okay, well, have you actually taken a moment yeah. to to figure out how you got to this decision? Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, what are the choices that you made that, that made you now have a child that you didn't plan for with a person that you really don't want to be with right because that's important right yeah. because because now we're we're talking about like you said before we're we're raising a whole human being right, right? and they're going to be dependent on both you know what i mean yeah. both people so it's like yeah there's not there's no problem with like it's not to say that you should feel bad but you should feel the weight of yeah. that of 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 the fruit of that decision right. because it's it's a having a child is not just something that's just like okay it's great let's go on to the next thing right it's like you're having a child especially if you you're having a child and you don't feel like you're ready or you don't or you 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 had you're having it with somebody that you don't feel like you're not, you're supposed to right. be with right that's something that you you need to deal with and you need to tackle mm-hmm. and you need to tackle both um the emotions all the emotions that come with that so i get what you're saying yeah, yeah, and, and there's guilt, nothing wrong with that. I think my guilt and shame first was, I, I, I did love God. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I, and I respected God mm-hmm. in that sense um, of His authority and His power, and I felt like I did something against mm-hmm. God. I made a decision, you know, mm-hmm. fornicated, mm-hmm. and. Um, the result was me having a child. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel guilty about being pregnant with a child. I felt guilty about doing something that's outside of the will of God. Got you. You yeah. know, um, but I knew like my child was a blessing, mm-hmm. you know, or at least I had to get to the point of embracing like, oh man, yeah. like, it, like I, okay, I did something. I, I feel bad, which I think was great. Mm-hmm. Man, I felt bad that I did something that is against God, which means mm-hmm. that I had a heart to do what was right. To do better. Just, I to made, do, yeah. yeah, I just yeah. made a decision that, you know, led me to that. And then through this process, I began to understand why that um, commandment was even created mm-hmm. not to fornicate. 
Mm-hmm. Because then you you create this displacement. Mm-hmm. You could lead to creating this displacement, and a lot of things just get really weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. this just gets Absolutely. really Absolutely. tough and yeah. difficult. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're married, and and sometimes marriage doesn't work either, mm-hmm. but it, m- more times than not, like when you come together in in marriage, you're making a decision. Sometimes, or some people just slip up, like, "Oh, we're pregnant," but you're you're together and you're making this decision, like, "We're yeah. going to make moves together." Yeah, so important. Yeah, it's it's so it's, it's, it's it's so important. It's so important. It's so important. Um, I get it. Thank you. <laughs> Follow instructions. That's it. <laughs> um. So. I mean, we, we have a few more minutes here and I want, I really want to kind of, um, home in on, on some of the most, you know, some of the other things that are amazing. Let's talk a little bit, a little bit more about family and then we'll jump lastly into, uh, just talking a little bit about what you're doing now. Um, so, I mean, tell me a little bit about Josh. Tell me a little bit about the family. Josh is man, um, the number one supporter in my life, like, when I first for those for those of you that don't know who Josh is, he's he's uh, hubby, yeah, hit <laughs> sweetheart, <laughs> her man. I remember when we first met. Um, I always tease and say that I was his boss, but he was part of a program that was un, that was part of or affiliated with the program that I was running okay. at a um a site here in Buffalo on the East Side, working with youth. East Side. So, um, I met him and, um, he just, we would have these conversations about the Bible doctrine and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. He was very intelligent when it came to that, but I, I had no interest. I was like in school. Mm -hmm. I was about that God life. I was about like taking care of my son and having his job. Like I pick up my son, I'm going home, I'm going to class. Like I don't got time for a relationship. (laughs) I already did that messed up and I ain't got time to do that. So my mind was just focused on that. And we just would have these great conversations, which led to, you know, him asking me to go out. And I was like, nah, I'm good. Kept just like, nah, 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 I'm good. I'm good. And then finally, like when I began to see, like, I think he's interested in me. I'm mm-hmm. definitely not right mm-hmm. now. Cause I don't, I don't want nothing to like be a distraction yeah, 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 in my life. I was very, very nervous about any distractions. Mm-hmm. And, um, I asked my mom, I said, mom, you know, this guy, he's really, you know, into me and he wants to take, I talked like, I was like, he want to take me out and this, that, that. <laughs> And you know what she told me? And my mom is really like old school. Yeah. And I knew if I I figured she would say, no, nah, you better stay focused, girl. And then it would have gave me like, yeah, Not that's resolute. right. Yeah. No, I'm good. I need to stay focused, you know. But she looked at me and she was like, you need to be you need to be happy. Like, go be happy. And I was like, dang, that's not the answer I was looking for. What the heck? He's like, just try. Moms just are so wise that way. They they always say something like that. Yeah. They, they flip the script all the time. And I'm like, dang. All right, let me give this man a chance. So I went out, and uh first time we went out, I took my son. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, so <laughs> it's me and my son. So just, what's up? You, doubt, you ready for this or what? And he was. He was, mm-hmm. you know, and time went on and he was very respectful very gentleman-like um very patient very persistent consistent um i remember prior to meeting him i prayed a prayer i was i was content being just me and my son i was content with that i i actually prayed a prayer to god like i'm good Mm -hmm. if i don't have anybody yeah 
Um, but yet there's always something within that you want to be, you want to feel wanted, you want to feel love. And I said, if that's something that you desire for me or he, you see fit, this is the man that I want. Mm -hmm. A man that is God fearing. That's really all I said. God fearing man Mm -hmm. who's the foundation has to be all about you. And God sent me, God sent me this white guy. White chocolate? <laughs> Bald headed white chocolate? Boy, white. Well, you had hair oh, when okay, I God. was better. It, it was very light. But he did have hair. He had That's style. Good. And, um, you know, I have to be honest in the beginning. It was, mm. I was like, nah, I'm not mm. into this. And um, I am so glad that I pushed past my own biases biases yeah, yeah, yeah. because i have a god-fearing man that's Dope. what i asked for if it so be your will mm-hmm. if there's a man out there he needs to be god-fearing i didn't say he needed to be black <laughs> with with abs with, with a beard and hair like locks like i didn't ask for that but what you, you know? saying right now though yeah god was like oh oh okay I got you here. <laughs> you wanted a, a, a dreaded fifty cent, <laughs> so, right? Right. So we we we're going on ten years. Wow! Big ups to that. I'm about to put the sound effect on. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's that's my boo. Very very supportive. Like he, there's no doubt he loves me. I never had a doubt, which mm-hmm. is a beautiful thing. Um, Actually, we're going on ten years too. Me and my wife. Yeah, yeah. 2010. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And the thing is, I, I say to her all the time, I'm like, listen, we got to celebrate because, listen, 10 years for our generation is like 50 years for the previous. All right? Because the people be out here dropping like flies out of marriage. I'm just saying. Out here in these streets. <laughs> and and it's, it's like we were talking the other day about like, because uh, some, you know, unfortunately, there's mm-hmm. some friends of ours who things aren't working out yeah. and um, things have happened where they separated or divorced or what have you. And it's really sad. And yeah. we were looking at ourselves like, yo, we got something here and we have to keep it yeah. locked down and stay, you know, faithful and yeah. rooted in Christ and pray and be and communicate with each other no mm-hmm. matter what like yo you getting on my nerves right now mm-hmm. i'm just gonna say it <laughs> and we just gonna move through this together yeah, yeah i'm not gonna harbor it mm-hmm. um but because not only for us yo man you being holding it down and staying rooted and together you're an example to your children yeah and then your community oh wow yo, man people are watching us mm-hmm. as married couples mm-hmm. and and they're judging it based off of us and i know that's a lot of pressure mm-hmm. But I'm down for it. Like, it, you, we gotta work hard at yeah. these relationships because yeah. people watching and and they'll see like, oh man, this is really encouraging. Like, if you could do it, I can, I can too. Yeah. Like, I can push through this and you know get get through it. You know, I just encourage people. Like, man, we had moments. It's not always beautiful mm-hmm. and you know happy go lucky. We had moments where it was like, man, this is tough. Yeah, it's real tough. Yeah, and we pushed and we never gave up on each other. And um, we still, you know, moving and shaking. That's dope. No, no, that's what's up. That's what's up. Tell me a little bit about the princess. Oh, man. See, and then it's beautiful because we chose to have yeah. this child. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I went through this process of like, yeah, let's 
less Let's create. Have it's still beautiful <laughs> yeah, to me. That's amazing. That's so beautiful to choose to, you know, yeah. create this this little human being mm-hmm. and going through this process. I love this little girl, yo. Yeah. Oh my God. Like I had my son and it rocked my world. And then I had this little girl. And it's like, man, like, what is this? I feel like I became a little bit more girlier. Yeah, you, I was about to say. I was like, you know me. It's like I'm <laughs> your like, daughter hug. is so is so like princessy and so like yeah. so like prissy. And then you like you hood you like, East Buffalo. Good, you know. But when I'm with her, she's like, Mom, I wanna I went to my nails. I wanna put my can I can I use your your chapstick? <laughs> I want to wear this dress. Oh, I don't like my hair like this. And she's like mad girly. Yeah. And she kind of brings that out of me too. Yeah. It's just so, it's so fun. Yeah. It's so fun just kind of like watching her exist in this pure mind. She's yeah. so innocent. Yeah. Um, she's so intuitive and she just knows what she, she wants. Mm-hmm. Um, in the back of my mind, there's some things that, um, I saw her do. And I, 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 in the back of my mind, I'm like, man, she's mad stubborn. And someone, uh, I said this to someone. I was like, "Man, my my daughter's stubborn sometimes." I'm like, "Man, we were just talking about mm-hmm. having children," and they said, "You know what? I chose to change the way that I say that about my kid. Like, mm-hmm. instead of stubborn, say determined, which then changed my perception and perspective on her. That's good. And I began to watch her, and I said, "You know what? She is very determined. Yeah, she is. She's." determined and she knows what she wants mm-hmm. and um she's very focused on what she wants and so as a parent i look at parenting as like a coach yeah. i'm your life coach mm. and i'm this household is a training ground and so i'm doing everything possible to give you the tools and resources That's that good. you need in order to get through these like little situations every grade or whatever mm-hmm. And my parenting style has to change as time goes on. Yeah. Like when my son was five, I had to deal with his, his certain things a certain way. Mm-hmm. But then he's 12 now. I can't deal with him as if he's five. My parenting style has to change. My daughter is three. Mm-hmm. I have to deal with her differently than I deal with my son. Mm-hmm. You know, and then they're different people. So I have to deal with them differently. You know, yeah. with my daughter, I can... Um, I can get stern in my tone and she'll straighten up Yeah. with my son. I might have to sit down with him and kind of have a conversation when I'm like, yo man, you need to get it together. Yeah. You know, like, let's talk this out. Like, like I'm your coach. Let me coach you through this circumstance, you mm-hmm. know? So just it's being a parent is, is beautiful. I Still. feel like it's a great opportunity to un, kind of understand the grace of God and, and perhaps his, perspective on us because we just be doing foolishness and he just has the grace to continue bearing through with the foolishness we be doing so I, when they be doing knucklehead stuff i'd be like man god i'm sorry <laughs> so lastly let's let's talk a little bit about what you're doing now and um end off with our our final question which is always the question that we ask everybody but i won't ask it to you yet because i want you to tell me a little bit about a little bit about what you're doing now and how we can we can kind of get a hold of you and, and stay stay abreast to what you're you're yeah. creating 
So Get Focus Productions is a company that I started uh, almost about eight years ago. In the last two, three years, I went full time. And so Get Focus Productions is a uh, production company in which I call myself a storyteller. And I, st- I tell stories through the lens, whether it's to- through photography or film. And we do that through three different ways. That's capture, teach, and give back. We capture through photography and film. We teach young people and adults about the magic of photography and how they can too tell stories and then give back by every contract that I earned I put a portion of the proceeds or the portion of what I earn to the side to invest in the next generation of creatives so I created a movement called young and focused where I focus on young people who are self-motivated mostly in the arts and um, I highlight them I ask them some questions I interview them on film and then I do a photography session and then I ask them what's some things that you need in order to propel yourself to the next level whether it be like one kid does customized sneakers he needed an airbrush kit so then I go to the portion of the money that I earned and um, put to the side and I bought him an airbrush kit so that he can continue on this one young lady she's a singer um, she says she needed a microphone we were able to get her that microphone to create music I put her on my project too she's on blank canvas oh, that's dope. That's dope. so just things like that so capture teach give back and then um, put together exhibits and the exhibits the purpose is to get a diverse group of people together to view images and film that can ignite something within people and when they leave they want to do something Mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. so there's a couple of um exhibits that i've done the warriors exhibit focused on eight people who have gone through things but they persevered through it and they're doing amazing things with their life so there were seven local individuals and then there was one a family from um montreal that i went to montreal and captured and then there's a exhibit called tales from the porch i went to the four corners of buffalo and captured individuals in their space on their porch and they told their stories and um i showcased those images in a gallery showcased the film we had a porch built by paulette um harris from paul robeson theater she built a porch and we had individuals come in they wrote their own stories porch stories and collected those stories so the exhibits that i do i'm trying to build community and unify people that's dope that's what i love that's what i love about what you're doing is that you 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 have such a strong focus on building making that inner intergenerational connection um that that i feel like gets missed all the time it's like you're either on tiktok or you're in the retirement home and there's nothing in between right and i think that that it as artists we are required responsible for pushing forth conversations and and creating spaces where people can connect with each other and also giving people different perspectives right we don't necessarily have to have all the answers, but I think it's important to give a perspective that somebody else has never seen before, never heard before, exactly. never experienced before, because that might open them up a little bit more right. too, as right. well. So I, I love that. Yeah. Um, Similarly with music, you know, just yeah. trying to create spaces on tracks to do the same thing, and then merging the two, like using music as as an, an almost as activism. So using the content to build spaces in which we're going to talk about substance abuse or we're going to talk about suicide or we're going to talk about violence and what are we doing about it? Let me get a couple speakers together Mm -hmm. and they'll speak. I'll do the music. You'll speak and we'll talk and let's have a conversation and a dialogue. Like that's what I'm trying to do with all of these art forms, create dialogue. And then what are we going to go do? 
Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to like create spaces in which people are igniting change and telling their stories yeah. from there? You know, so awesome. that's what's up. Well, listen, we um, have come to the end of the podcast. I know this is this is an amazing conversation. I, I knew it was going to be an amazing conversation, but like all good things, they have to come to an end. But the question that we ask everybody, which is the most important question, is what would you what advice would you give the 17 year old version of yourself um, with all of the plethora of experiences and and uh, thoughts of wisdom and and just thoughts that you have in your mind right now? What would you say to the 17-year-old version of Itina? I would say you got birth and you got death and you got the dash in between. What are you doing with the dash? What are you going to do with the dash? That's good. That's yep. very good. And and I would honestly, everything that I've experienced and done has got me to this point. So mm. I wouldn't be mad at my 17-year-old self if they made the same mistakes. Mm. It's going to... I know this is my now. So, I mean, hey, just keep going. Dope. Just keep going. That's what's up. That's what's up. Man, well, listen, this has been an amazing AI, man. Your your family, you're my sister. I always I always text her and say, "Yo, sis, what's up? How you doing?" Cuz it's just it's just from day one, man. You you've you've just been a real one. You and Josh, you guys are family. Um so I really want to say how much I appreciate the, your time and and you opening up your life to us. I mean, to to people. Um that's always amazing. Um where can people get a hold of you? How can people follow you? How can people support what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. So as far as music is concerned, that journey is through AI the anomaly. Anomaly is A N O M A L Y AI the anomaly and you can find me on um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Um, I got a website, AItheanomaly.com. You could check me out on there. All the booking stuff and, you know, any way you want to reach me in that in that realm, you can. And then get Focus Productions through photography, film. I speak. I do workshops. I can come to your city, whatever it is. Um, you can reach me in that, in that way. So get Focus Productions. And Focus Dope. is spelled F-O-K-U-S-D. So same thing, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Dope. YouTube, things like that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again. Thank you to all of you listening uh, to another episode of Story Over Everything. You already know what it is. You can check us out at Tristan Barracks on all platforms or you can check us out on youtube uh, facebook linkedin all that all of those spaces thank you so much for listening i hope you were encouraged i hope you were motivated and inspired and um i hope that you get some confidence to tell your own story uh, because your story my story our stories are important and they're not just important because you know it's a trendy thing to say it's important because it's your own experience and i think that your own experience represents your your own perspective and that's something that can really enrich the lives of others so be encouraged talk to you guys later peace east buffalo Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Story Over Everything podcast with your host, me, Tristan Bergs, the digital storyteller. I hope that you were inspired, challenged, changed, and most importantly, gained a new perspective on life. I just have one question for you. What story will you tell? Until the next time, peace. Peace.